believe that you'll appreciate that. All right, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. This is the last message on Sunday night in our series, A Checklist of Assurance for Salvation. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 7. We'll begin in verse 18. That will be our first text tonight. We'll look at several other texts. So this is by way of review. This is going to kind of sum up what our Sunday night series has recently been on a checklist for assurance of salvation. First is, I know I'm saved because I've personally believed the truth of the gospel and of a relationship with Jesus Christ based on God's word. This is the foundational thing. You have to absolutely know that this is true. I know I'm saved because I have personally placed my faith in and believed the truth of the gospel and have a relationship with Jesus Christ based on God's word. And the Bible tells us, and, and Paul writes to the Corinthian believers, and he says in 1 Corinthians 15, for I delivered unto you that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So we don't know the gospel apart from God's word. God's word is his revealed written revelation to us. Jesus is the word made flesh. He is the physical manifestation. He is the revelation of the Godhead. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And Philip said, Jesus said to Philip, I've been with you so long and you've not known me. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. So that's the first one. Number two, I know I'm saved because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. We know that the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 4 that immediately upon receiving the forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, we also receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is God himself indwelling us in the person of his Holy Spirit. And we've talked about the different ministries. Uh, Before a person is saved, the Holy Spirit has a ministry in this world. The Holy Spirit is sent to convict which is to convince, to lay out the evidence of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. For believers, the Holy Spirit is given to guide us into all truth, to be that comforter, uh, to be that paraclete, the one who walks along beside, the one who puts his arm around us, not only comforts us, but directs us and compels us to go in the right way in following Christ. We also know that the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance, Jesus said, all things that he, Jesus, said to us. So the Holy Spirit not only guides us in the truth of the word of God, but he reminds us. You know, VBS and, and summer camp, and be, please be praying for um, many of our college-age young people who are serving in Christian camps. And when you're a camp counselor or when you're an op staff and there's a service and there's an invitation and you, and you are called to go counsel with somebody, And you sit down and they begin to share with you how God was working in their heart, what their spiritual need is. It is amazing the times when the Holy Spirit takes verses that you memorized years ago or that you have reviewed in preparation, but would not have on your own recalled at that moment. But the Holy Spirit not only brings verses that are appropriate to that exact need, but the Holy Spirit brings the exact verses for that very need. And the Holy Spirit uses that verse or those verses and you can see the spirit of god using that in the understanding of that person that you're trying to help and you both rejoice in that you are used to the holy spirit through the word of god as the holy spirit reminded you to impact their life and and they're rejoicing that the holy spirit of god was guiding them into the truth and to show them how they're to practically apply 
that truth and to have hope that God himself through his grace will enable them to obey. There are times in your life when you are faced with a major decision or you're faced with some sort of spiritual confrontation. And isn't it wonderful how often the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the words of Christ in in the scripture. So I know I'm saved because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. Number three, I know I'm saved because my relationship with the Bible has changed. The Bible says for the natural man, natural man is the who? Saved or unsaved man? Unsaved man. Behold, Psalm 51, the psalmist said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. He also wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, We come from the womb speaking lies. I was born a sinner. And I chose to sin. And so did you, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And you know, the word of God sort of made sense. I mean, I could read the words. I could kind of get some of the concepts, I think. But you know what? When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, my relationship with the word of God changed. It became food for my soul. I had a new understanding. I had the Holy Spirit as my teacher of the word. Now I could understand the things I could not understand before, not just in a mental understanding, but in an actual personal way. God himself is now speaking to me. Why? Because before I was dead to God and the things of God. Now I'm alive to God and the things of God. So I'm alive to his word. And my relationship with the word of God has changed. Before it was just another religious book. Now it is the, the guidebook for my life. It is my field manual for life. It is a transforming book for me. Sanctify them, Jesus said in John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And now the word of God is a delight to me. It's a comfort to me. It, it, it is an anchor for my soul. Whereas before, it was none of those things. So I know I'm saved because my relationship with the Bible has changed. I know I'm saved because my nature is changing, resulting in a changing lifestyle. Second Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Things that I used to love, now I hate. Things I used to hate, now I love. Things that I had no appetite for, now I have a passion for. And things that I used to have a longing for, no longer draw me like they did. My nature's changed and it has been changing. Do I still have the old sin nature? Sure I do. But guess what? I have a new nature. And I have a desire to please God. And I am being transformed. And I trust that you have that same testimony. What a wonderful confirmation to see God changing me. Not just in some sort of an outward way. But the change that God is producing, even that results in an outward change, is because I'm being transformed, first of all, in my very nature, in my very character. And then I know I'm saved because I'm part of God's family. We looked at that last week. I know I'm part of God's family. I, I, you know, one, this is one of the amazing things, talking about missions. Anybody that's traveled on, on, a, on a mission trip has experienced the international family of God. Man, you may not even be able to speak the same language. You might not even be able to stomach their food. (laughs) But you know what? You have an immediate bond in Christ. And you go somewhere where you would not have known a soul in a place that's completely unfamiliar to you, where if somebody were to to give you a compass and say, all right, find your way back home, you have no clue, right? you, you You don't even know where you are. 
but there's a warmth and a love and a kinship. And there is, there is a, a true sense that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm part of God's family. That means I love being with God's people. It means I love to come to corporate worship and worship together. It means I love fellowshipping with God's people. It means I love my, not just my Berean church family, the family of God goes beyond Berean church family. Now I love my local church family and I trust that you do too. And, and, and I love to be with my church family, my local church family, Berean. And I love to fellowship with you guys. But you know what? There's also a wonderful blessing in praying for one another, in serving one another, in sharing one another's burdens, in sharing life together. Why? Because, folks, we are family. And then we talked about one of the things when you're, when you're part of God's family, guess what? And God's your heavenly father. He's not only your provider and your protector and your instructor. He is also your disciplinarian. (laughs) He's your heavenly father. And remember this, if you've ever experienced the chastening of God, it is an expression of his love for you because God doesn't spank the devil's children. So if you're born again and you've experienced, and if you're born again, you will at some point experience God's chastening. Remember, it's not revenge. It's not punishment. It's loving discipline. And then, and I can, of course, I don't want to repeat those messages, but let's get to tonight. I know I'm saved, and this is a long sentence. You ready? And basically, it's the outline in a sentence form. I know I'm saved because my life is bearing spiritual fruit. Stop and think about that tonight. We're going to give you an opportunity to examine that from some passages of Scripture. Because my life is bearing spiritual fruit, I have a desire to share the gospel, and I rejoice when others believe on Jesus for salvation. Those are three more wonderful affirmations that I am a born-again believer. Because let me tell you something. If Satan can get you at all to doubt your salvation, he'll paralyze you into spiritual inactivity. And folks, we are part of God's spiritual army in battling against the kingdom of darkness to expand and the, the kingdom of God. If you go back and you'll see in our fellowship hall, it's all set up and you will see a whole medieval kind of castle theme. And that's, that's part of the theme this week, the battle between light and darkness, between God's truth and Satan's lies. And Satan wants to, if he cannot destroy your testimony with sin, if he can't get you to quit because of discouragement, then often he will use this tactic of getting you to doubt your salvation because it will, it will paralyze you into inactivity. So my life is bearing spiritual fruit. Look with me in Matthew chapter 7. Our text is verses 18 to 23. Jesus is the very, the very words of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. So every Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. 
So, if you do not have the new nature, and the only way to have the new nature is to be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again of the Spirit of God. That is, there must be that time when the Spirit of God shows you you are a guilty sinner, that you are headed for eternal death because you have no righteousness of your own and cannot earn it or attain it on your own except only through the gift of Jesus Christ which he paid for when he shed his blood on the cross and suffered the wrath of his Father on the cross and died and gave up his life as the perfect, final, full sacrifice for your sin and rose again. You must trust him. And if you've not, then you don't have the new nature and you cannot bear spiritual fruit. You, though, can go through actions. These people here, Jesus said, they're going to people that are going to stand before him and say, wait a minute, Lord, you're going to condemn me to eternal death in the lake of fire? Didn't I prophesy? Didn't I preach in your name? I mean, I cast out devils in your name. In your name, I did many wonderful works. What are wonderful works? Miracles. So here's how I boiled this down for application for us tonight. Bearing the spiritual fruit of a transformed life and a spirit-filled life is stronger evidence of salvation than doing good works or even working miracles. Let me say that one more time just to make sure you get it. Bearing the spiritual fruit of a transformed life and a spirit-filled life is stronger evidence of salvation than doing good works or even working miracles. The Bible says they went out from us because they were not what? Of us. Man, they used to teach a Sunday school class. He was a deacon. And now he's com- it looks like he's completely turned his back on God and this and that and all of that and, 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 and has gone for years in that direction. How could a person be saved and, and, and then do all that. And you're right. It's because they weren't saved. Because if somebody can preach in Jesus' name and cast out demons in Jesus' name and perform miracles in Jesus' name, and Jesus says, I never knew you. You know why? It's because they were never born again. And you know what? You don't have to show some kind of divine gifting. That's why... In some denominations, speaking in tongues is a big deal because it's an affirmation to them that they have the Holy Spirit, which means then that they're saved, at least at that moment, because many people who believe in those charismatic gifts also believe you can lose your salvation. But you know what, folks, what wonderful truth we have, what confidence we have that when we have life, he that has the Son has everlasting life. I have it. The moment I trusted Christ, he gave me everlasting life, and I will enjoy it forever. I don't enjoy it now to the fullest and fulfilled extent. Someday I will. That fullness of salvation will come when I meet the Lord Jesus Christ, and I will enjoy it forever. But it's not based on any good works that I have done or an outward reformation like we looked at this morning. You know what we need? We need to be converted. We need a transformation. We don't need a reformation. Um, I, here's a question. And then I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 5. The passage should be up on the board for you. But here's a question. Am I alive to the things of God and am I dead to sin or... Am I alive to sin and dead to the things of God? You know what? Sometimes people in churches like this don't like this question. 
Am I alive to the things of God and dead to sin? Or am I alive to sin and dead to the things of God? What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6? No man can serve two masters. So which one are you? In Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes in verses 19 to 24, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lascivious. Interesting, adultery and fornication are, what's implied there is an actual physical action, a physical involvement, adultery, fornication. Uncleanness and lasciviousness are attitudes of the heart that are sexually immoral and promiscuous. You see, God's not just said, God doesn't just say that an outward action is a sin, but the sin of the heart. You remember the whole series when Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. And you know, one of those that he says is, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, yes, that's true. That's one of the Ten Commandments. But I say unto you that he that looks on a woman to lust after has committed adultery with her already in his heart. The Bible also tells us the very thought of the wicked is sin. It's not just an outward action. Don't think that you can just sin in your heart and mind and in your imagination, and it's not really sin. It is still sin against God. And he sees it, and he knows it. And then, if you continue on, idolatry. So we don't bow down before stone and wood. But I wonder if we bow down before YouTube and Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and popular opinion or materialism or success in an occupation or our reputation, that is what people think about us. There are many idols besides those made of wood and stone. Witchcraft. And if you don't think that that's not all around us, it is. Satanism, the occult, is huge. And you know where it shows itself a lot of times? Movies, television, games. We need to be very careful. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Of the which I tell you before and have told you in time past that they which do such things, the idea there is in the linear tension, that is they are doing, they are practicing such things, shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Isaiah, and, and this passage I'm thinking of particularly is in Isaiah chapter 5. It is a fascinating study where God through Isaiah speaks to the children of Israel and he says, testify. And he has Isaiah testify and Isaiah on God's behalf is challenging the people of Israel when he says, hey, what more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not done for my vineyard? I have planted them in a very fruitful hill and I digged about them and I built a wall and he goes on and on. All the things that God did for Israel so that they would bear fruit. This is a very vivid picture in the Middle East because of the vineyards that are there. And so people's minds would have gone right to that. And then Isaiah, 
He's referring to this, that God did everything for Israel. He planted them as a vine in a very fruitful hill, took out the rocks and, and, and cleared away anything that would be a, a competition plant. And he built a wall of protection around it and, and he fertilized, he did everything so that, that that vineyard should grow grapes. And you know what he said? When he looked at it, it should bring forth grapes. Behold, it brought forth wild grapes. These wild grapes look a lot like the grapes that are grown in Israel. But when you taste them, they're disgusting. (laughs) And beyond that, they are poisonous. And you know, everything can appear on the outside. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name cast out devils? In your name done money, wonderful works? Lord, I know how to come to church and dress up and sing the songs and quote the verses and answer the questions. I can do this, I can do that. I can be sweet sometimes when I'm called upon and I have to (laughs) and be polite. But God knows what's inside and he knows what the nature is. People can look, talk, and act like a Christian without having been born again by the Spirit of God by grace through faith. So the first thing, my life is bearing spiritual fruit. Is your life truly bearing spiritual fruit? Second, I desire to share the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Now, the idea of constraining is like two huge guys, you know, like six foot seven, 300 pounds, all muscle. Two of them, one standing on either side of you, and they grab you by an arm and a shoulder, and they are going to constrain you. They're going to compel you to go in a certain direction. And, and that's what Paul said. There, there's this, but more than just this forcing, he's saying there's this draw, there's this urgency, there's this, the power of God is pushing me towards this. The love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Said so When you understand that, the Bible says, for all have sinned, everybody around me, whether I know them or not, has an eternal soul was born with a sin nature and has committed crimes against God punishable by eternal death and hell forever. And you know what? God has put me in this time, in this place to be a testimony by the way I conduct myself and a witness by way how I share the gospel. And if I'm a born-again Christian, I'm going to have a desire to share the gospel. It doesn't mean I always do it. Sometimes I yield to my flesh and because of inconvenience, Lack of time, fear, other excuses that my flesh wants to make. I may hold back when I should move forward. Now, I believe my own life, praise the Lord, uh, I'm moving forward in that area. I trust you are too. Um, And every day, I'm still praying. And let me encourage you, would you still continue to pray for me that every day God will give me gospel opportunities to share the gospel in some form. I want full out, you know, not getting a Bible out and preaching somebody and getting in their face, but I want full-on opportunities to share my salvation testimony or the way of salvation with somebody. Even if it's, hey, what are you going through? Let me have a word of prayer with you. And even in the prayer, praying the gospel for them. But I desire that more and more. And you say, Pastor Todd, I'm not really good at it. I haven't done it very much. The question is, does there reside in your soul a desire ever 
to share the gospel. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, then they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Remember, we've gone through this in our Acts series. These are believers at Jerusalem, and as the persecution hits, they're scattering uh, abroad. But they didn't go into hiding. Everywhere they went, they were proclaiming the gospel. It wasn't the apostles. The apostles tarried at Jerusalem. It was the believers growing and being equipped, going out and sharing the gospel. Acts 15, 35, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word, get this, with many others also. God expects every born-again believer as a disciple to share the gospel. And Jesus instructed the man from whom he cast out demons, go home to thy friends. This is Mark chapter 5 and verse 19. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. You know what? That's still probably the most effective way to witness. To share your own salvation testimony and the verses that the Spirit of God used to illumine your understanding. And that's, that's all Jesus. This man was, uh, this man, this is what they call the maniac of Gadara. This is a man who ran wild through the tombs. He cut himself. He was screaming and crying. He had no peace. People were scared of him. They put chains and fetters on him and he busted them with demonic strength. But after he came to Jesus and believed on Jesus, he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. And after that, and who wouldn't want to? He said, Jesus, I want to get in the boat with you. I want to stay with you. I want to follow with you. And Jesus said, no, I want you to go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. That simple. If you're saved, you can do it. Anyone can do it. Do you desire to do it? What a great affirmation that you're a believer if you have this true heart passion to share the gospel. The next verse records, verse 20. And he departed and began to, to, to excuse me, let me start over. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Because God was using his witness because he was being obedient to the command of Christ. You know, whenever I witness somebody, when I have the privilege of leading somebody to faith in Jesus Christ, or even when I hear somebody's salvation testimony, it stirs up in me a desire to have more opportunities to share the gospel with somebody. And I trust that you can say, yes, Pastor Todd, I don't always do it like I should. There are times when I don't, when I should, and I need to get that right with the Lord, but I do have that desire. And then third, I rejoice when others believe on Jesus for salvation. I'll share this passage with you in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which was lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he hath come home, he called to his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. You see the theme here? For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. More than over a 99 just persons which need no repentance. Folks, we are going to be forever rejoicing for our, over our salvation. We're going to be giving praise to God throughout all of eternity for that. And you know what a wonderful blessing it is when we hear of somebody's salvation. Boy, it ought, to, it ought to cause our hearts to rejoice. Does the salvation of souls produce a genuine rejoicing in your soul? 
I, I traveling in evangelism growing up as the son of an evangelist, I've got to have a lot of adventures and do a lot of really neat things. Some very exciting, adrenaline, heart pumping kind of really cool things that a lot of people never get to do. I've had some incredible, got to experience some incredible blessings in my life. And I can tell you that nothing even comes close to comparing to the joy and rejoicing in my heart when somebody trusts Jesus as their Savior. I wonder how many people we'll meet in heaven whose salvation we had to share with through prayer, gospel tracts, a Bible study, or even helping in an outreach like at VBS. I know I'm saved because my life is bearing spiritual fruit. I have a desire to share the gospel and I rejoice when others believe on Jesus for salvation. Let's bow our heads right now for just a quiet moment. And then I'll pray, we'll stand, we'll dismiss with a chorus. What is your need tonight? What's your spiritual need? So Pastor Todd, you know, as you were listing off those things, honestly, before the Lord, I can't say any of those things are true. I really don't have any reason to be assured that when I die or Jesus comes back, my soul will be with him forever, that I will escape the righteous judgment on my soul in the lake of fire. I have no assurance of that. Well, friend, you can know. And we'd love to show you. In the quietness of this moment, would you just pray and say, God, give me courage to talk to somebody who can help me. If, if you're a guest with us tonight and somebody invited you, you can talk to them and they could share the gospel with you. Or at least they can say, hey, you know what? I would feel a little more confident if we had somebody else and they can find one of the pastors or one of the deacons or Sunday school teachers, someone who can take the word of God and help you settle this matter once and for all. If you are a born-again believer, would you rejoice in your salvation and thank the Lord for all the wonderful affirmations in the Scripture through which you can be encouraged to know that you're saved? And maybe even you would say, Lord, if you would allow me to encourage another believer who's struggling with their assurance of salvation, even by going through some of these things that we have learned in this series, oh Lord, I'd be willing to do that if you will enable me. Would you make that commitment to the Lord tonight as well? And you know, if you say, you know what, I used to really have a passion to share the gospel. I used to get excited when people got saved. I mean, really, truly, in my soul, I did. But you know what, I really haven't had that much lately. I really don't feel close to the Lord right now. I know I'm saved. Well then, as God said to Israel, I would say to you, based on God's word, sin is separated between you and your God. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Proverbs 28, 28, 13, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. First John 1, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just simply name and agree with the Spirit of God what he is pointing out in your heart tonight. Get it right with him and be returned to a joyfulness in your salvation. Our Heavenly Father, tonight, we pray for all of the workers in VBS, whether they're running the games, serving the food, uh, teaching the boys and girls a lesson, leading in the songs, doing skits, sharing the Bible message. Lord, enable each person 
to show the love of Christ and to contribute to the cumulative effect of the gospel in the lives of these boys and girls and their families. We pray, Father, that you would plant and water the seed and in your time bring a harvest where souls will be saved. And then, Lord, if you would give us the privilege as stewards of these who've trusted you as Savior, we would delight to give them sound teaching in the doctrines of the Scripture and to help them through discipleship to grow in Christ and to be able to put into practice some of these transformational changes and help equip them to serve you. Lord, again, tonight, we want to thank you for the Trosters being with us. We pray your blessing upon their ministry, your supply for their needs, that they would soon raise their full support and you continue to open up more ministry opportunities for them. And uh, Lord, as they've said, it's not to buildings, it's to people. And Lord, we rejoice in that. So Lord, bless now uh, in, in our hearts as we would respond in obedience to you and bless in our VBS as it continues. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, in a moment, we're gonna st- why don't we go ahead and stand? We're going to be dismissed in the closing chorus. Um, just be mindful that there is stuff going on as you fellowship. If you keep it down to, as we say, a light roar, that would probably be appreciated by the workers. And uh, please be praying for our VBS. Pastor Mike. Let's close with uh, verse number one of 442. I know whom I have left. I know not by God's wondrous grace to me he had made known, nor by a worthy Christ in love Yeah.